You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, and for the next 60 minutes, we're going to be talking about Doctor Who, so you don't have to. I'm JR. Hello, I'm Simon. Hello, I'm Lee. And I'm Matt. Uh, he's done it again, hasn't he, really? I don't know what anybody else thought, but I didn't think very much of that episode at all. Simon? Um, it was a kind of pretty but hollow ball. I don't even think it was that pretty. After about 10 minutes, it's just, are we going to see anything else but this one bloody set of the inside of this cave? <laughs> well, it felt... I wasn't going to get this harsh this early on, but it does feel like it regressed about 40 years. It felt we'll get like, into it in a minute. It did feel we'll like a classic Doctor Who, actually, in a way. But maybe that's not what we need at this point. Um, so I kind of enjoyed it a little bit. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth. I enjoyed it. I think it felt like it had regressed 40 years, and I think that's a good thing at this time. <laughs> because we've had, I mean, this whole season, this whole series is about getting different tones and different styles I didn't, I didn't styles get a chance to say, I didn't think that was necessarily a bad no, thing, yeah, but... Yeah. I think, I think it is a flavor, bad thing. But I, don't, I, think, so long I they don't, think it's a bad thing because I don't think you can do 40-year-old television in the modern day. I think if you're going to try a different style, a different tone, a different texture every week. They should all be contemporary styles, tones and textures. I don't think you can literally try and put a 40-year-old programme on screen and get away with it. And that is essentially what they did. Well, I I thought it felt very much like Dalek from 2005. I mean, that took place entirely in an an underground location. It had one monster through most of it. Yeah, but if, this... I mean, it had, it had, it had a bit more sort of emotional depth to it. Yeah, this yeah it was more of a tug of war, wasn't it? But. It just had characters talking like the writer had been I, through a glossary of Victorian or, expressions. Or, or had watched Robert Holmes. <sighs> it's very, very... No, very none of Holmes the... Lang- none of the di- no, but Robert Holmes had this knack of putting words in people's mouths that sounded natural... There was right. nothing there natural was a, about the dialogue no, 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 in this right, episode. Yeah. Make, there was a line Make that, it all sick, that would. There was a line that... Yeah, um, but there was nothing like that that felt remotely natural. That didn't... Yeah. Robert Jago, Holmes did always... Jago? Jago's a theatre owner, isn't he? Jago? Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he has a line that says, I haven't seen anything like that on my born puff. Right? No, Which, no, that was, I, that was the... Uh, the the, the no, Irish fella. No, the woman at the beginning that discovered oh, the yes, body. Oh, yes, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, okay. yeah. Like, Make it all sick, that would. But that doesn't sound... That sounds natural because people watch it, watching coming, it all coming from coming from either him or her it would have yeah. sounded natural coming from the guy who said it in this this week's episode because he used that same hmm. phrase um yeah. it didn't sound right it sounded like it sounded it like just... he was quoting a 40 year old episode of doctor who yeah it did. in talents of wang Chiang, <laughs> yes. everything that jago says is natural to jago because that's how jago speaks in this episode everybody spoke the same and every third sentence they suddenly threw in a Victorianism just to make sure you remembered that they were from Victorian times. 
I, I think you're being unfair. I think in times of Wen Chiang, everybody spoke like that because it was obviously a homage to Not Victoria, everybody spoke Victorian like that, literature. though. Each of the characters spoke differently from one another. They did, they did, they did. They had much more characterisation um, going on. And Jago didn't speak anything like Lightfoot, and Lightfoot didn't speak anything like that woman, and that woman didn't speak anything like the police well, constable. So, so, so the, the, only light, the only shades we had was, were, were the kind of posh element and the, yes. the slightly kind of so, slimy so gutter. In, so in this story we have the disadvantage of not having quite the range of different character types. So we yeah. have the two officers and we have the soldiers and we have the ice warriors who are also soldiers and we have the main crew. So yeah. they're not they're, they're not going to speak differently that differently to each other. I mean, the two No, but you're missing my point is that the dialogue he gave them didn't sound like it was coming out of real people's mouths. Right. And I agree with the point that there wasn't the range of characters as there were in Towns of Wen Chang. Well, that was your point, so I should imagine you were. (laughs) But I disagree with your your point that Towns of Wen Chang, somehow the dialogue is more natural. I think it's just as unnatural, but we've lived with it for so much longer. I don't think so. I mean, look at the Time Warrior. Look at the dialogue in the Time Warrior. The dialogue in the Time Warrior is ridiculous. Well, it is heightened. It's really funny. It is heightened. Is it? It's fluid. It works. Yes, but I think I think it works through years in retrospect because no, the the point is in the Time Warrior, you have a character like Bloodaxe, and he talks like that all the way through because that's his character, and that dialogue is natural to him and his character. Right. And and these characters talk like they talk. But they don't today. because every third they sentence did. they sounded like a completely different person from the p- person who was speaking the sentence before, which was the same person. Yeah, I didn't get that. I well, thought, I'm saying I that's what I got. Apart from the guy who tries to nick the diamonds out of the side of the tomb, yeah, who was um, a, a baddie working class was, soldier, it, yeah, and there was it, a baddie a baddie officer. Mm. I mean, I did, well, I didn't have a problem yeah, with the like, dialogue. No, they both sounded the same. Actually. I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was the most amazing Doctor Who story ever, but I thought it was quite good fun. And after a trilogy of stories that operates with political subtext mm. and sort of, there was political subtext here. here. It just no, there wasn't political subtext well, here. There was political there was... overtext here. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. It was, but that's that's again, that's not that's not a, f- a failing of the story. That's what. It's good to have that <laughs> contrast. You can't keep on having like subtle political subtext. Yeah, and no, I appreciate that. I mean, <laughs> in some ways, it's a bit like thin ice. I mean, it's not that far from thin ice. It had those. Is there a of... difference between being simple and simplistic? Is that a di- is there a difference between those two? Because I'd say that the, the early stories in this this series have been fa- were fairly simple and straightforward. Yeah. And, and lovely because of it. But this felt kind of a little bit simplistic. Yeah, I don't think it was sophisticated. And, and the Doctor's dialogue sophisticated felt really quiet. Yeah. There was a great opening scene at NASA. Lovely. And after yeah. that, it just went down and down and down. I I think it had a lot going for it, but I don't know how much of that is cosmetic because I thought the Ice Warriors worked really well. Mm-hmm. I thought the suits worked really well. Their, the way their weapon worked was, was one of the most terrifying. gruesome yeah, yeah, that was great. Really ever good. in Doctor Who. That's yeah. Absolutely. The I, scene, start, I caught myself thinking about that and thinking, actually, I don't want to think about that. That's this, horrible. The scene with the Ice Warriors' hives lighting up. Yeah. That was really nice. That was really, really good, nice yeah. Up. Update. Um, I bought into that. I quite like the Ice Queen. I thought yeah. she was good fun. Yeah, and I liked. Was she though? I, I liked. Think she Fridays. was. 
she could have been. I kept thinking Predator. Every time I, I, saw thinking, I kept thinking yeah. Theresa May. But anyway, I kept thinking it wants to be Flash Gordon, and it's just falling really far short of Flash Gordon. It was more you know, the Wells, wasn't the whole one. thing. The whole thing felt like because Mike Gatiss did actually rewrite First Man in the Moon, didn't he? Or oh, no, he appeared in it. Mm. And TV version or film version. Yeah, I think he wrote the script a, for it as well. Did he? Yeah, he's a big fan of that. So, you know, plainly this is a, a massive homage to and that. It's got Zulu as well. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah and just a bit. There's bits of kinderish <laughs> well, yeah, feel to it. But it, it but it's, it's everything. The pit helmets. Tomb of the Cybermen. Yeah. It kind of had a bit of Zulu, except it didn't. It was almost like, it was like you were eavesdropping on somebody's conversation and picking out words. Zulu. First Men in the Moon, but you were only picking out the words and there was no context for them. Yes, there was no a bit development like, a of bit them. like Talons of Wang Chiang picked out Sherlock Holmes, Fu Manchu, Jack the Ripper, but there weren't any development of those ideas. It was just You're a, really a saying present, that? A presentation. On a no, level I'm with saying, the Talons of Wang Chiang. I'm saying that, the, that Mark Gatiss's methodology, his way of taking old texts and Re, re, representing them, yeah, that's it's the same as Robert, Robert Holmes, but he's not Robert doing Holmes. it anything like as well. It's it's not doing it as stylishly, but Towns of Chan didn't have any more kind of weight to it or any more context. Well, to it maybe or if we had six episodes to play with, or all, all but even an, across, hour, an hour and a half, two episodes, yeah. you could introduce other elements like a, a slightly bad ice warrior and more people on the Mars and, and, and an Earth element and all that sort of stuff. But we didn't have enough time to do that. We only had 45 minutes. Yeah, so, it's, so it was basically a play like, on TV. So it's sort of a condensed version of that, of the Robert Holmes approach. It was, yeah. Very, but, very condensed. Yeah, but, Just like the gun that shrinks those blokes. But mm. if it's condensed, Robert Holmes is was two and a half hours and this was 45 minutes if it was condensed it should have been considerably less boring than the talents of Wang Chiang but I have to say after the opening titles I was bored throughout oh well, that's a shame was it the monster of Peladon curse <laughs> I curse don't know the maybe it was uh, well the problem with the monster of Peladon is it had too much subtext it tried to it tried to sort of do what Cursed Peladon did, but mm. but went the other direction politically and got lost up its own fundament. It and had a ridiculous and had a ridiculous fight sequence in the middle. Yes. And lots of badger men. Yeah. Mm. I mean this one had a pretty simple storyline. I like the fact that I like the fact that it it used the idea of Empire to present the humans as invaders going to Mars rather than the traditional other mm. way around. Yeah. That was quite neat. Mm. Except it gave you the idea that the humans were invaders, but never really moved anywhere with it. It just sort of said, here are the humans, they're the invaders. And then it just kind of stopped. Well, that's what I mean, invasion uh, stories always do, don't they? Uh, the thing is, I mean, I enjoyed it because it was very surface. It actually didn't make me think. I was not in the mood for thinking tonight. So therefore, it's a non-thinking episode. And you just, I bet the kids love this one. But um, I felt like I was watching through glass windows sometimes. There was, there was some strange things going on. And actually, the music as well was starting to nullify my senses a bit. It kept playing through the weirdest of sequences. The, the moment with NASA at the beginning, where they're all talking to each other. Or, um, you know, where they're, there's a quiet moment where they're talking to the soldier. And the soldier's talking about his cowardice. And you've got this music, which is reasonably upbeat, playing mm-hmm. in the background. It's, like, it's the same music we've had for the last couple yeah, of just, weeks. Just, just stop the music. This is That could be a much more powerful sequence. A flashback would have been good with him as well, wouldn't it? Mm. Which would yeah. have just made it a little bit more three-dimensional. But, but you but kind it, of... 
missed my point and made my point in doing so. It's like the talents of Wang Chiang was 40 years ago. Yes. So you could do those things 40 years ago because 40 years ago, that's what Doctor Who was doing. Mm. It wasn't really about anything in the way that it is these days. And it didn't really engage you in a... Uh, a sort of an emotional sense in the way that television no, does these no. days. When was the last time the, you watched something on television that didn't even attempt to engage your emotions, I did, let alone actually do it? To give it credit, I did like the scene with the uh, the deserter where he went faced up to the Queen. I did like that. Mm. Did I, you? I thought that worked. Ah, uh, see, so I'd lost in it. Its, in isolation. Point. But at the building up to that, the fact that when he was unveiled as this deserter, that was all very... Oddly, I watched a film. I watched a film called this, this morning called Captain Clegg, which yeah, is a yes, hammer film yeah. with uh, Peter Cushing, who plays Doctor Sin, basically, but renamed. And there's an exact, there's exactly the same moment in that where Peter Cushing is revealed to have once been and hanged, and he sort of tears his dog collar off, mm. and he's got this sort of line. That's not a spoiler. There was another follow up after that where they put no, the two together and he made Dr. Clegg because he was in EastEnders. Oh, hey, hey. I agree. I agree that it didn't have any depth and it, it did have a degree of sort of fan service. But I think if you do this once, you get away with it. If you do a whole series of these, mm. then you don't get away with it. And I think I was, I'm perfectly <laughs> happy to, to, to waste 45 minutes on something as enjoyable yeah. and fluffy as this. Yeah. Cause I found it enjoyable because I found it fluffy and because it had Alpha Centauri in the end. And, and it had that, that really the, the, the updating of their weapons and it sort of, it did, it did bits of what Dalek did to Dalek. I certainly didn't ones. hate it. I certainly no. didn't dislike it, but I don't equally. I don't think I got much from it apart from the little. Oh, I suppose yeah. look nice and all that is Elf Centauri. And Mark Gatiss, mm. and, and and that's as but much I like the, as I, I can take. I liked Friday. And 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 mm. and can yeah. I just say yeah. that when as soon as I heard Victorian soldiers on Mars, I just thought bloody brilliant. And I started thinking, well, like, I just, the whole Jules Fern thing, and this yeah. could be really quirky well, and comic, really odd. It's a comic book idea. And then when I found the explanation of why they were there, it was kind of a little bit yeah. There's, again, it's a comic book idea, but there wasn't really a great deal that was comic book about it. There was a nice, yeah, there was a nice warrior who was a pet, but the rest of the it, ideas, they were the larger than life characters. The idea is Alan Moore, but it was played out on a. It was almost like a, a simpler writer, yeah. so it didn't have that depth of Alan Moore. It didn't have that playfulness of Alan Moore. No, but it didn't have any playfulness really. Well, he it had a nice warrior as a pet. It did, there was but it just of, kind of felt a bit dull. Okay. But I mean, there was there wasn't a lot of but playfulness it, about it. Uh, there, there was, but it wasn't quite as sort of. Literate. I think the elements were playful. Yeah, but I don't think it. The threads between those elements. Hmm. It was yeah. The, were, the elements were, were playful, but the delivery of the but elements the, was dull. Well, I've always mm. quite liked. So this is obviously this is a kind of a, a, a traditional Mark Gatiss thing that he does something different to everybody else yeah. during the during the series. I've quite liked those moments. I haven't always liked his episodes, but I like the fact that it's doing... I like Robot of Sherwood because it was slightly different. Mm. I liked a, Robot of Sherwood a lot more than this. I like... Yeah, Robot of Sherwood is what I described as Disney Doctor Who. It's yeah, lovely. Yeah. yeah. And I've liked his his other ones. Um, not so much last year's... The, the, uh, Sleep No More. Sleep No More. Because I think that... <laughs> they quoted to, that in the middle no, of this. Twice! I'm still I didn't see that. I'm still not convinced I get that. 
episode. I haven't watched mm. it again. I need to watch it again. Mm. When um, the ice, when the ice warrior emperor turns to the hives and goes, "Sleep no more, my warriors. Sleep no more." <laughs> oh, okay. Oh. And I just um, buried my head in my hands. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> if you're going to do an underachieving episode, please don't remind us of the last, even more underachieving episode you did twice in a single sentence. So I didn't like Sleep No More as an episode, but again, it did something slightly different. <coughs> He's very good at creating these kind of capsule episodes, I think, that, you know, that serve different people. From the brief time I spent on social media before I watched it after it was shown. Um, it seemed to be getting a lot of praise from the kind so my on Facebook I can now sort of judge an episode based on the different people who are can saying like this it. is great are, and this yeah. is terrible. So there are really a sort of old school fans going, Oh at last Doctor Who doing what it does mm. best. And if <laughs> and if it's if Doctor it's Who doing what I like I like. It, yeah. And yeah. and I think Doctor Who now is such a broad concept and the, yeah. the viewership of Doctor Who is so is so wide now yeah. that all we can hope for is that it pleases different groups yeah, in absolutely. different weeks. And if absolutely. it can please a different group each week, yeah. then actually I think it's been quite successful. It's when it the gets... difference is, though, it, the difference is I don't, and I don't think any of us resent an episode. Hmm. And that's what you get, the harshest critics, the harshest people on, online. Yeah. And, Zero out of ten. I've never seen anything so and that, and bad in all my life. like they resent its existence. And, <clears throat> yeah. And, but I think I'm like, say, I'm, like the, the Lib Dem, I'm like the Lib Dem version <laughs> of the Doctor Who viewer. And that, at the start of every podcast, you say, well, I liked it. Yeah, particularly with <laughs> this, this series, I've actually, I've actually liked each episode a fair amount. I can't yeah. think of an episode that I thought mm. that I really got bored with that. Like... Last year, Sleep No More, I got bored with. I got bored with Caretaker. I couldn't. Wa- I tried watching that a second yes, time, yeah, I and just that. lost I interest. Lost interest about ten minutes of the way through, and fell asleep. It is a ten. That's why I, I did. Yeah, but I, I didn't. I keep I, watching it, thinking, "Am I wrong?" But it I isn't. It's brilliant fun. But I actually didn't. I actually didn't like it. Hmm. Whereas this this series, well, you had the same thing as I had with Smile. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because that looked great, but it did something that irritated me so much. Yeah. I almost. Actively disliked, it. and and if I and it's very rare that happens. And if I, I and I, just to go back to what you yeah. said a minute ago, there's not a single episode since the revival in 2005 that I wouldn't rewatch, mm. you know, by choice. Yeah, including this one. And I can give you a spoiler now. This isn't going to get my lowest score of the season. Right. I mean, there are episodes where I wouldn't want to rewatch them, like the caretaker. I just don't. I well, just, you're wrong. You're one, wrong. One you're day wrong. I might. <laughs> one day I might rewatch them. We watch them because I dislike them to the extent where I think I'm owed them and re- rewatch to see if I like them again. But but my point is that I'm not the sort of person if I dislike an episode, I'm not the sort of person to say to try and defend it regardless. But this series, I've genuinely mm. found things in each episode to like, whether they're superficial things or the way it looks or something deeper. I mean, yeah. Thin Ice, I loved. I loved almost everything about it. Last week's, I didn't well, we love everything about it. Yeah, time, yeah. Last week's, not necessarily, but there were things that I quite liked. And this week's, you know, I saw what he was trying to do and I think he did it successfully. It was an incredibly simple story though, wasn't it? When you yeah. actually kind of write it down on paper, mm-hmm. it, it just goes from A to B. Yeah. And that's it. I, I was nothing, thinking, how would I describe this? I thought, how would I describe this story? And I was thinking, 
the stuff happens. Well, it, it's a, it's just a linear progression of, a, of a, you know, Ice Warrior crashes, they get in the ship, mm. bring him back home, he's got an ulterior motive, and that's it. Well, the, and, you know, there, there isn't I, anything else. I've caught myself thinking, I I'm, need to be aware that I'm not willing it on to have all these emotional beats all the time because we've come, become very used to that, and that's why yeah, I like it. Mm. Which is why I like the bit with the with the deserter and, yeah, and the ice cream because all of a sudden there was an intensity to it and there was a substance well, to it. But I'm always saying the difference between plot and story is plot is what happens mm. and story is to whom it happens and why. Mm. And this was and when I said you know you wouldn't see modern television without an emotional beat, what I really mean is you wouldn't see modern television where you didn't have a story. But this was a case of all plot and no story. It was all just, like you say, things happening. Mm. And to whom and why, there didn't really seem to be a why. And the to whom was just a bit of a blank page. It's an origin story, isn't it, obviously, of, of sorts. And it was... But it, but it isn't really. It's kind of a middle origin well, you didn't story know for the it, Ice Warriors. You didn't realise until the end it was no. an origin story. But really, the story is the British Empire overreaching. So, if anything, it's it's... The British, so this group of the British Empire think they're going to somewhere a bit like South Africa with a primitive race and don't realise all the way through that actually they're the primitive race. Mm. And that's, that's, you know, that's quite a good, and that came through quite obviously. And it's quite a good, it's quite a good concept as a criticism of, of, I mean, in the middle of our city in in Exeter, there's a statue to a guy that fought in the Boer War and he gets coned regularly by students and the good thing about that is because the Boer War was a bunch of guys mm. with technology far outreaching the people they're invading invading a country mm. and this is the reverse of that this is an act but this of criticism didn't really yeah but did it criticize it well I guess it did but it didn't really seem to say anything about it I don't think you need to say anything more than that do you I don't know it just but then it just felt really thin and empty yeah what I found quite amusing is that they made this giant um, piece of equipment to obviously break down walls and things. Were they thinking of taking it back to Earth at some point? Because there's no way... The Gravitron. That... Yeah, whatever that was called, the giant... Oh. And there was that moment, wasn't there, where they were all talking quietly and trying to resolve this issue or situation. Gravitron was in the moon, moon base. base. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The issue. They're trying to resolve the issue. Bill's talking to the Queen to distract. And the Doctor's in the background frantically turning this giant machine, you know, up towards the ceiling. And it's really loud. And he's yeah. really active. And he's going, <laughs> oh, yeah, don't don't attack us all. Yeah. And I just burst out laughing. That's kind of Doctor Who logic, though, because there was another another scene where the Ice Warriors bursting out of the ground oh. just just in the same room as the soldiers, and they don't notice anything. No. But you kind the of have to... <laughs> and why burst out the ground? Because they've tunnelled out yeah, from the, the thing. Okay. <laughs> and also because it's a cool effect. To, yeah, it's a there cool was, effect. There yeah, was one moment where the Ice Warrior... Dead. Friday, the Ice Warrior... Friday could have climbed through to the... There, was, thing, there was one moment where he was he went down Fantastic to grab... Fantastic Mr Fox. He went so. down to grab a, grab a saucer and it looked very much like he was about to fondle one of the guy's genitals. I like that. And I, I, did, I did think that maybe they'd taken Friday's service a little bit too far with the I glory thought, I thought when Mater came up behind the Empress that she was just going to cup her hand behind and do a gazer on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a that lot would have of... Been fu- See, that would have made a really... I think that would have been quite a, but quite well, a moment, wouldn't my it? Point one about... for the children. <laughs> it would have meant she'd had some kind of 
<laughs> intuition <laughs> about human uh, anatomy, but you know. But my point is about coming up through the, the ground. Is like you said, couldn't you have just tunnelled in to the Queen's area anyway in the first place? Yeah. But going back to that thing you were talking about, where the doctor's fudum 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 with the machine in the background, the doctor says to Bill, "I need you to make a distraction," and then and then she does, and then the script just leaves the character absolutely floundering. Hello, Queen. She literally stood there looking around. Right, what shall I do now? Yeah, and then she didn't really do it. She just can have a word. That's that's not really a distraction, was it? Not it distracted the Queen. Well, it didn't really. Well, what, what was she going to do? Well, it like, did because the script going, said the Queen is distracted by Bill stra- saying, "Can we have a word?" Surely that's a bit better than her just throwing a rock at her head or something. She actually like started a dialogue with the Queen to distract the Queen from yeah, what was the, happening. But but that was but, the, point, <laughs> the point. But yeah, but if you, you're in the middle of a battle done? and somebody starts talking to you, that doesn't really distract you from the battle. Well, it did. Well, only because the <laughs> script said it did. Okay. But I mean, but they, they'd already esta- have... they'd already established that the queen respected yeah. her above all the others. The queen saw her as the kind of the the leader of the group, and so when she starts speaking, that's like the commander of the group. Okay. Yeah, but except what would, what would be more amusing and maybe more fun is that she just went into some um, S Club Seven moves and started singing something or reach for the stars. And then she'd be interested, just like Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, <laughs> yeah. But they dance. Well, you're being funny, but yes, in a way. That know? like the opening scene before the titles at the start, mm. you get this countdown from NASA, and then you suddenly see the doctors counting down. And when the doctor gets to the end of the countdown, suddenly you've got Bill doing one thing, Nardole doing something else, and everybody's absolutely distracted from what they're doing because there are all these weird and funny things going on. That aren't what anybody expected. Mm. And then later on in the episode, you've got this scene with Doctor says to Bill, do a distraction. Yeah. And she just starts it did feel, wittering. That, that, that first scene felt really, really tight, as, as did the following scene when they land on Mars. And they all separate. The three of them go three different ways. Mm. Oh, this is going to be interesting. Getting out three different stories, and it's all going to come together at the end. And it didn't do that, and I was quite disappointed. In fact, the most interesting thing that happened after that point was... And we all knew it was going to happen because it was patently obvious, but Nardole turning up at the end with Missy. Mm. I thought Nardole had regressed slightly as a character. Because he didn't have anything to do in this episode. Possibly, I wonder Mark Gatiss was was writing him, presumably. Well, although I wonder where in Nardole, how much information Mark Gatiss had about Nardole's progression through the trilogy of stories. Because he's become more of a sort of a... Joke. No, less of a joke. I tell you what else would have no, been no, quite... I mean, this oh, this bit, one. Yeah, sorry. Was, yeah. What else might would have been quite nice? And this is, I'm guessing, down Stephen Moffat. Is it would be nice for Bill to react in some way to the spacesuit? Hmm. She'd have hmm. some kind of discomfort, surely, of using spacesuits again after everything that happened last That's time. That's true. In oxygen, yeah. That would have been nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because and, it felt like she was would, quite well, nice. Now would, would be a Stephen Moffat rather than Mark Gatiss thing. Yeah. And the but consistency that's... of the characters across the series. That would be a Mark, uh, Stephen Moffat thing, not mm. a Mark Gatiss thing. But this is the issue. Whenever it gets to the Mark Gatiss episode, it always seems like he's writing his episode in absolute isolation from anything else that's been going on. And that presumably was that, Stephen that... Moffat's fault. Yeah, so why does yeah. he let him do it? Well, in the same way as the, when the Stephen Moffat episode used to turn up in the RTD series, you'd feel it was like a little Because isolated. Russell T. Davis used to just let him do it. Yeah. But the... But the but, well, opinion, the Stephen Moffat ones always outshone the ones around him. Whereas the Mark Hayes <laughs> ones just lately feel like a lead weight I mean, compared think, to the ones around him. I think it depends on your preferences, but 
the similarity is the Stephen Moffat things felt different to the ones that are, that are yes, around. Yes, yes. And the Mark Gatiss things feel different. It feels like there's a difference. And I think that's, I kind of quite like the difference. I think the difference is a good thing in the series. Mm. Well, I think, yeah, I think if but... they did what they did in Troughton and have like, what, six or seven stories like this in the road. It's rope. okay to say yeah. difference is a good thing, mm. but the difference has to be worth it to make it a valid thing. And and looking And on, I didn't think this episode think, was worth it. And looking online, there are people who felt that this was a really I the few comments I've Looking read, online really good. at the tiniest, tiniest fraction of people who are watching we, the episode. Yeah. Well yes, but we're a tiny I mean we're in that bubble as well. Yeah, true. So well, we, I'm we, thinking children, would children like this? Probably yes. I think we can only give our own opinion. Yeah. <laughs> We can only give our own opinions as we always do. Yeah, and, yeah. and you say yeah. there's something, some people will like it. Yeah, and that's fine. But it, you know, earlier in the series we we had simpler simple stories, but they felt substantial. They felt mm. this uh, would have felt an awful lot more substantial if it had been a better characterized, and b if a few of the ideas had been given weight by anybody having anything to do with the episode feeling like their heart was in the ideas. Do you know, it's nice there was an experiment in some respects because it does feel like an old story. What, what would an old Doctor Who story be, be like if it was made yeah. with today's yeah. standards of production? Mm. And because I, I didn't have an issue with any of the direction, I thought it was some lovely direction in it. And this would have been it. Yeah. 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 So in that respect... So in that respect, should we go back to Stephen Moffat's ultra-complex <laughs> eye concept... Arcs. Yeah, I, I think there's probably a middle ground, which well, this season, well, yeah. first four or five episodes of this season were that middle ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This story could have been made forty years ago, couldn't it? Let's face it, it was, wasn't it? Well, yeah, a version of it. Yeah. yeah, a version of it. I don't yeah. think there was anything in yeah. here that they couldn't have achieved. No, filmed it at Wookie Hole. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been fine. Yeah. Where was this filmed? Anybody know? Well, I think it looked like it was all studio sets to me. Really? Wow. Yeah, apart from maybe the stuff on the surface. I think everything else looked like studio sets. That's that's not impressive. That's an observation. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes it interesting. So I'm glad it exists. Mm. But uh, don't don't ask me. And also as a fan, I I found it quite satisfying how they did. I didn't think they'd go so far as to connect... To, to to give mm. it an or you taught it an origin story and it does start to literally lead into mm. Curse of Peloton, mm-hmm. which is quite satisfying. Although presumably there's another what two thousand years, years before Curse of Peloton takes place. So how old is Alpha? Presumably Alpha. So Alpha Centauri is that a race now or an individual alien? Well, That's who the knows? question. That was but nice. this that was nice seeing his yeah. eye eyeball. Her. Sorry, it's. it's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They managed to avoid making it look like a penis this time by yeah, not by showing by, anything yeah, under by the very, eyeball. Very carefully, just showing the eyeball. <laughs> you know, you know the story of Alpha Centauri. What do you mean the story of Alpha Centauri? The, the design of Alpha it's Centauri. Centauri. Well, the... Centauri. Alpha Centauri. Okay. Centauri. Alpha Centauri. Centauri. Where the centaur comes from. Alpha Centauri. So the story. So, so originally they they had the alien without a cape and the, oh. the director said it looked like a penis and then they put a cape on it and the director says, well, now it looks like a penis with a cape on it. 
<laughs> and they had to go with it anyway. Penis and a hanky. <laughs> Except he was Australian, so he did one of JR's accents and probably didn't call it a penis. <laughs> looks like a dick, mate. Yeah. 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 Looks like, that looks like, like a dick accent. in a cape. Yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that's the anecdote. But they've, they avoided that this time. Sensibly, I think. Mm. But I was spoiled for that. Because yeah, I, I made the mistake of going online oh, really? <laughs> yeah, before I watched it. And the first thing I read was... Well, usually, if you get the immediate comments after the episode, people will be careful not to put spoilers in their immediate comments. Yeah. Generally. Or generally, Mm. you won't get a spoiler that actually spoils something that would have been that much of a surprise. Mm. I mean, this would have been a surprise, but it's not a... Not a significant one. It's not one that I begrudge people for spoiling me. No, it's... It's not like if I'd read Paul McGann is coming back in... um, no, yeah. Is he? No, no, he came back, remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would have pissed, that would have peed me off. Although I think I knew that. Maybe I was spoiled for that. Yes, it was spoiled everywhere. Well, I didn't know Alpha Centauri was coming back, and it was a lovely surprise. Yes, you know. And it was the same actress as well, I think. Was it really? Yeah. Yasmin Bannerman. Is Anne Churchman. He's Anne Churchman. Yes, Who's Yasmin yeah. Bannerman then? She's from Sarah Jane Adventures. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> Bannerman Road. Oh, no, Yasmin Bannerman actually, no, is the tree lady from the end of the world. Oh, it was close then. I mean, it has the same number of syllables, except it doesn't. <laughs> tree lady Alpha Centauri. Yasmin Bannerman. He's <laughs> Anne Churchman. He's Anne Churchman. They both start with a Y. Yeah. Possibly. Moving on. <laughs> um... I don't know. I've got to say, in the pantheon of Ice Warriors stories, it felt to me like this was about on a level with the Monster of Peladon. I, I think, and I think part of the reason why a certain people are entertained by it and happy to see it is just because it's got that old series feel, not because it actually feels like a good old series story. I think my rankings of so my rankings of Ice Warriors stories are now, I think, Curse of Peladon, the Ice Warriors. Seeds of Death. Seeds of I actually death. thought the Ice Warriors worked better this in this one, than Cold, Cold Blood. War, Monster Cold, Cold, Cold War. Cold War. Sorry, Cold War, yeah. I thought Cold War was a lot better than this. Uh, story-wise, it was better. Acting and character-wise, it was better. It wasn't great, but I thought it, it felt... Mm. I thought it felt more lived in than this. Mm. I thought this was more fun than Cold War. Yeah. I don't know. I think people have taken against the Ice Warrior coming out of its casing, but in terms of what the kids would like and stuff like that, that I'll tell was you what I did like, the fun I, part. I don't know if it was intentional or not, with how the Ice Warrior was, was behaving around the humans when it was serving them. Yeah, it was like the one. Yeah, there was and the bit where he was was shoulder down. Like, like, yeah, that was, was, was great. Yeah. yeah, It was great, but, but, but it I felt did. forced a bit. No, I don't. I don't mean no. the performance felt forced yeah. or the moment felt forced, but the fact that it was there. Felt but I don't know forced. whether any of that was in the writing, or whether that was kind of nice touches. By the I thought all of that worked up to that point. I think when it started failing for me, it was when the Ice Queen woke up. It just became your standard monster wakes up and attacks humans type thing. You know, we had this with um, Cold Blood. We had this with the Silurians and the Sea Devils. And I, I know it's the thing that's always going to come back to Doctor Who waking up a, an entire kind of race and then someone trying to claim a planet it's also the other thing that's always going to come back to Doctor Who is the aliens aren't always the baddies especially Ice Warriors it was quite nice to have Friday there I like Friday as a character yeah Friday's good wasn't there an Ice Warrior companion Uh, at some point in the comic strips there was Was Mm. 
Slar or Stor or yeah, with Bernie Summerfield. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the thing with the Vikings as well. Mm. Um, yeah, that's a good shortcut for describing them. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. also, that was kind of explained. You know, that the fact his eye was gone. Right. That was kind of a nice nod to the Vikings movie. It didn't need to be said. But maybe I'm being over. Whose eye was gone? Fridays. Fridays. Oh, his eyes are gone. Oh, his eyes have been gouged out. Oh, oh, no, I, like, I like the fact that she did say that because A, Matt did know that the eye was gouged out plainly yeah. from that reaction. And also, that's why she looks up and stops halfway through the sentence. Yeah, it's yeah. a big comedy beat, isn't it? It did, it did kind of work because oh, I knew yeah. that was coming as she was saying it. <laughs> and it happened. I thought, yeah. That's Matt didn't see it because his no. eyes still gouged out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I did, I did like their weapons. That, that effect... Yeah, that was really terrific. Considering yeah. Doctor Who's now been back for what twelve years, thirteen years, it's it's great to see a but death still... that's actually quite original and well done. There's a sort of I actually saw a clip on the one show of that, and I didn't yes. realise what was going on. I just thought his clothes were left right. like a bundle of clothes, not yeah. that he'd actually. That's uh, quite horrible when you think about yeah. it. That's sort of stuck with me. That, I mean, that is the tissue. But you think he put limit. in yeah, the yeah. in the script? You think it said the Ice Warrior uses his weapon? And then the man looks like he's been stuck in one of those things that crushes cars. <laughs> yeah. Literally yeah. written like that. Yeah. That was a fantastic effect. And also a good update because the original was just the warping of the, the Mirrolon. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah of course. And, and you think, oh, that's, you know, what are well, they going to that. do? They could just do something. Oh, actually, they've taken Well, it was always said further. to be a sonic weapon, wasn't it? Yeah. The Ice Warriors mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Presumably that's why he couldn't dig down to get to the, because he hadn't got the weapon. So the oh, weapons yeah. were on the other in the Queen's chamber. So then they can get back through the earth. Okay, I guess. I'll give you that. Hmm. Possibly. <laughs> Not that you really need to solve no. plot holes with this. I mean, it's just, you know. Literal plot holes. Yeah. Or plot holes. Anything else? Next week's looks quite good. Or, well, Do we want to talk about Missy? Yeah. Let's because... talk about Missy just a little bit. Well, what, uh, why can't she Was it explained there? why the TARDIS went back to the vault? No. Was there any explanation no, for that? No, well, there wasn't, but the chance is probably are pissing about, isn't it? Maybe the TARDIS was sulking from not being in the episode last week. So it just started, it's just <laughs> so started doing its own thing. There's not yeah, something invisible hanging around in the TARDIS we don't know about, is there? Well, I get the impression with Missy that what they're going to do is one where she's actually properly penitent and then she gets turned back to the dark side. Yeah. So I don't think she's called the TARDIS back. But possibly, could be the other way around. Could be that she's messing with them all and she's called the TARDIS back. But then, if that were the case, surely there would be a suspicion that that's what they'd done, what she'd done, or they'd find out that that's what she'd done, so her penitence wouldn't hold any weight with them. So there must be another explanation for it. So what was the explanation for it? It wasn't in the episode, but there's this idea that the Doctor's got this job of sticking around on Earth, looking after looking, guarding Missy. Yeah, but it's not and gone if, back home in any of the other episodes. No, I know. I thought first it's going to be a Hads thing, yeah. and then it'll be on the surface, and they'll have to go up in the suits afterwards to find it or something, when Nardole radios them to tell them where it is or something. Yeah. But actually, the fact that he had to go back and get Missy makes a lot more sense. Well, we but, saw, but, the only people <coughs> we've seen who can control the TARDIS from outside at the time, but <coughs> that's right, isn't it? Is that the... You know, Lee's raising his eyebrows. Well, the thing is... Yeah, but I don't think they do it by mental power. I think they have machinery to do it. Oh, yeah, we did. We we saw physically the the, the console move its its buttons. You know, there was a physical movement. 
So either the TARDIS is doing it, there's some invisible force, or it's the Time Lords with Missy. But somebody's doing it. It's not just like a random thing mm. where it took so because it can't be the hats, can it, or anything like that. So what is it? I mean, are we, it can't be the silence that will bring those back. But it's just really so, odd that you got to the end of the episode and they didn't say. Well, maybe plainly we're going to see, aren't we, over the next? I few, imagine. Do you think? Mark yeah, but Gatiss. will we? I don't. I'm not sure whether we'll get an explanation for that. I imagine I Mark Gatiss had a reason why they got separated from the TARDIS in his story, and Stephen Moffat said, "Oh, actually, I can make that fit in." Yeah. Yeah, maybe it just felt like a really odd thing to do. I mean, it didn't feel odd to separate them from the TARDIS. That felt like a really natural thing to do, but to do it in the way they did mm. just felt like a really weird beat in the story. Actually, you didn't need any of that anyway, did you? Because, I mean, I suppose they needed to get rid of the TARDIS to make the threat a bit more real. But he wasn't too worried about it because he knew that Nardole was on the ship. And he said, oh, I'm sure it'd come back. Yeah. Um, but Nardole didn't need to be at the beginning, plainly. That's why he was taken out of the episode. And coming back at the end with Missy, that was only showing what? Well, they were only putting that in to show... Missy and the TARDIS. So either next week they've put Missy back in the vault or next week Missy's in the episode. So if next week Missy's in the episode, why did they not put any shots of her in the trailer? If 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 they'd wanted to keep it a surprise that she was in next week's episode, they wouldn't have put any shots in the trailer. But she finishes this week's episode in the TARDIS at the end. So they could have put shots for her in the trailer. So she's not in next week's it, episode. No. What was the point she, of getting her to I come fetch the Doctor to, this to week? Incrementally develop her character because you're you get the impression that she's slowly gaining the trust of the, the Doctor to the point is, where he says you need to be back in the vault, and she says, "Yeah, fine." Yeah. So the inference is that she'll, she'll be back, back in the, the vault. vault and that's, yeah. yeah, but yeah. she's but she's now slowly being trained. She's had a slight outing. It's like a cat yeah. when you've moved house. Yeah. You start them off in one room and gradually you like let them out on adventures and then mm. you put them back in the room so they get adjusted. Yeah, but the thing that offsets that is if the only explanation is that she brought the TARDIS back to Earth so that she could come back and get the Doctor, he's going to know that. So actually, rather than incrementally allowing her a little bit of freedom, what should happen is he says, well, no, you did that as a trick. So, you know, all this penitence that you've been showing me is clearly shown to be fake. So I just don't. I just it, don't it, get how that story beat works. I can see what that story beat is supposed to do and where it's supposed to take us, but I just don't see how it actually works. No, there was a lot of focus at the end on the looks between each other. Yeah, as well. And when he when he saw her first, she had that beautiful cat looking face, where you know, slightly evil, slightly catty looking face, and then suddenly it lightens up, mm-hmm. and they, and he he says something like the words, "You can't be here." This can't happen, or something like that. Yeah, this can't happen. This can't was, happen. Yeah, yeah. In other words, this can't happen, as in it's impossible for her to leave the vault. No, no, no. She no, shouldn't be there. She's broken the rules. She's broken the rules. Yeah. 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 And what is it she did to the TARDIS that Nardole couldn't do to bring it back? You know, so it does feel like almost that this is something that she's put into play at some point somehow. And if that being the case, then Doctor must surely know that. So why would he go well, that, along with it? That's what I got between them. Well, there's, do- some, there's this trust thing. The Doctor's eternally optimistic about the Master, regardless of what yeah. he or she has done. The True. Doctor's always hopeful. Well, maybe. Can, but if you actually throw, Sim and, but if you actually throw a piece of evidence in front of him that she's tricking him, you can't so ignore the, the evidence. What was the evidence that she was tricking him? Well, it. presumably she's the one who brought the TARDIS back to Earth because there is no other explanation for it. Well, oh. Well, I don't know. I mean, 
it could be as simple as the TARDIS threw a hissy fit or just went wrong. That's what Nardles Well, the TARDIS wouldn't throw a hissy fit obvious, and strand the Doctor on an alien missy. planet. It's no. not obviously missy. The TARDIS has never thrown a hissy fit and stranded the Doctor on an no. alien planet before. No. But it's still not obviously missy. Well, to no, the, to because... the doctor, the doctor wasn't on board the TARDIS when it went back to Earth. It could have been Nardor pressing the wrong button. Well, okay, it might not be obvious to, to him to at this moment, but when right. he sits and works it out, that's the only explanation. I imagine next episode there'll be a scene between him and Missy where she says, he says, "What was going on with the TARDIS?" and she she says, "It was something." I had to get over something. Yeah, I would hope. Well, yeah, because they can't leave it without. Can't leave it without that. Because no, the doctor's going to want to know, isn't he? What? what yeah. Because he won't trust it otherwise, will he? Mm. I'm not sure it's heard brought the TARDIS back to Earth. Well, what else can it be? I don't know, but I'm just not sure it's it's heard. But I mean, she's back been to in Mars. The vault. You mean? No, back from Mars to Earth at the beginning. She brought the TARDIS from Earth to Mars, but we're talking about who brought the TARDIS when Nardal went into it. Who brought it from Mars to Earth at the beginning? And JR's saying it's a it's Missy's trick to to get out of the vault, but I'm saying that I th- I don't think that's the, the first assumption. That's the assumption, that's assumption that's I jumped to. That's the assumption I jumped to uh, right at the beginning. But well, any other explanation leaves her clear of blame, mm. trickery, and says she is actually being penitent. But I'm talking about how this story plays out. Yeah, I mean, if I was the doctor. I would, my first assumption, and there'd be nothing to correct this, would be Nardal pressed a few buttons accidentally and sent the, the TARDIS back to Earth. Because Nardal was on that, board the TARDIS. But we know that Nardal... He was having trouble materialising on Earth, wasn't it? Yeah, Nardal's going to tell him what happened. And Nardal, as we know, is, can fly the TARDIS. Mm. We've been taught that. Mm. It's, like, it's that thing of when you rule out all the things that can't be, what are you left with? It's not the hats. It wasn't Nardol. It wasn't the. It's. It wasn't. It's not going to be anything that's without precedence. It wasn't hats. It wasn't Nardol. It can't have been Missy because Missy was in the vault. So that's that's the logical step. Yeah. So oh, no. it must have been Missy was else. in the vault by the time Nardol got there. Yeah. But yeah, we've but, already been told yeah, that she but, can get out of the vault whenever <laughs> she wants to. It's definitely Time Lord influence. Whether it's the Time Lords or whether it's the other master. Yeah, something like that. I don't yeah. think Missy could have done it. Potentially, from but the we're vault, t- so. we're talking about if the doctor, if the doctor automatically knows it's Missy, and I'm saying that no, the doctor doesn't because the logical no. step isn't to assume it's Missy because the doctor thinks that Missy is in the vault and Missy was in the vault. I wasn't and talking about the doctor automatically knows it's Missy. But you're talking about whether the doctor now trusts Missy or not. Yes, when he finds out what happened to the TARDIS and if it was her. So in the future. If he finds out that it was her. Well, it's not going to be something that... If you walked out of the front of your house, having parked your car at the front of your house, and it wasn't there, and you walked around the entire city and eventually found it somewhere on the other side of the city... Yes. You wouldn't leave it hanging what had happened to your car. You'd want to find out, and you'd want to find out straight away. The doctor has just been stranded on Mars... Yeah. Potentially completely, so that he would have to live out the entire rest of his life on Mars because there was no other way of getting home. Yes. He's not going to go back to the TARDIS at the end of the episode and think, oh, that was something strange that happened. I suppose I might find out what happened sometime in the future. 
He's going to try and find out, right? So I guess there are two there are two possible avenues. Either he spends time on screen trying to find out what happened, or the other avenue is it's just a plot hole. The TARDIS the TARDIS went a bit wobbly. No, automatically no, went that. back to where to where it's been for the last fifty years. No, they can't. I put. hope not. That would be terrible. Seeing the handles moving on their own is it's got to be. Yeah, it can't I mean, I don't. I don't think it will clear. be that. I think no. it probably will be returned to. Mm. But I don't think. I don't think Missy will turn out no. to be the cop. It might be a little no. Moffat trick, might it? Might it? It might be something like someone's phasing in out of time and you can't see them. So it could be the master in the TARDIS and has been there for a while. Things, stupid things like that. It might be something. Could be the silence. That's could what it was at the end of series yeah, five. Exactly. Could be any of those kind of mm. options. I thought it was odd that it was having trouble materialising on Earth. It was kind of cutting in and out, wasn't it? I think as it was materialising. So that was just he was trying to get it back off Earth again, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, was it? I yeah. think so. It was saying it's not moving. Okay. But what I'm saying is, mm. either he finds out it's Missy, in which case all her trickery is shown up to be trickery, or else he finds out it's something else, in which case we're still at Missy is genuinely penitent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, I think we're still supposed to suspect Missy's pulling a fast one. I don't know that we were because I still thought well, she's, miss, she's Missy. So you, you're, yeah, but as a viewer, you do assume that she's pulling a fast. No, one. but at the end of the last episode, I think the beat that we were supposed to take from the end of the last episode is that she's genuinely penitent. Yeah. So it's a really odd thing to throw in a thing in the next episode where you say, "Well, actually, it's all trickery," or is it? So I think we were supposed to take the end of this episode as that she's just done him a favour by coming to get him. Yeah. I'm just saying it was so oddly played. That now the four of us sitting in this room staring at each other, confused as to what that story was supposed to say. Not the story, that moment. That moment. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. No, that when I say that story, I mean the story I mean, of what think, Missy's doing. I think everything with Missy in this series is designed to be ambiguous. I didn't agree that there was a. I didn't think it was remotely ambiguous. Yeah, I think. I think it's, I think it's always it's her performance. Her performance makes it your and her background. The fact that this is Missy. And we know that she sets up plots and she's... No, that gives you suspicion, but it doesn't make it ambiguous. I think the tears at the end of last week's episode were there to tell the audience this is genuine. I I don't think I... Well, like Davros's tears. Yeah, which which weren't necessarily (laughs) genuine. genuine. (laughs) No, No, they weren't, but that's Davros and this is Missy. Yeah, but Davros managed to cry and he didn't have eyeballs. Yeah, but the point is the Davros thing is is that happened in the same episode as the reveal. Yeah, but but Missy's much, much more known for playing devious, devious emotional tricks and for building up, like, plans and for fooling people and deceiving people. Davros wasn't. So this is much more likely to be ambiguous with Missy than Davros. Davros isn't known for his, like... I like the idea that you're getting at that we're going to get, you know, uh, you know, a properly penitent. Yeah, message. which I, which I think is possible, but I think I, I think the, the game it's playing at the moment is you can't be sure, mm. and actually you start to think maybe the doctor's trying trusting her too much. The doctor, I, don't know. I, I the thought doctor the game it was playing to... was I thought it was trying to tell the audience she is genuine, so that at the end when she gets turned back to the dark side, you have a properly emotional moment where you think, oh no, <sighs> it's the master. Well, that's why we're having a two-master story. One good, one bad. Potentially. Possibly. I don't think that's potential or possible. I think that's... Well, I haven't seen it. I think that's more than likely. Well... (laughs) 
They're showing us a story where Missy's penitent, and we know John Sim's coming back. I think it's more than likely that she's going to be good master and he's going to be bad master. That's what they're telling us. They're actually telling us that on screen at the moment. Okay. I mean, I, I think it's more about the... the, the I, think, I think it's less about Missy's development and more about the Doctor's development and her... Because we've seen Missy gain... I think the arc of this season is Missy's development. I think we've seen Missy gain the Doctor's trust before, but it's always happened within one episode or within a short period of time. This time they're actually turning it into a season-long, a series-long progression. But it's about the Doctor slowly coming to trust Missy and we as a viewer, whether we feel that that's a sensible thing of his or whether we feel he's letting his childhood with this character, his his natural affection for this character overrule his his you know common sense no i think this is well that's what's on that's what i saw on screen that's what that's but the, that wasn't that's what the screen was telling that's the, the that was your interpretation but I mean, that wasn't Missy's, what the screen Missy's was telling pretend, you Missy's pretending to be penitent no or she screen, is being or she is being penitent but what but was can't... being shown wasn't that missy was pretending to be penitent what was being shown was that missy was being penitent okay so hang on Missy pretending to be penitent would look very like Missy being penitent. This is what I'm right. saying. So, so that's your interpretation of it. And, but and, with my no- and with my knowledge of Missy's character, which is devious and emotionally manipulative and manipulative, I read that as there's a double, there's a double right. edge to it. But that's your Missy's, reading Missy's of it. Missy's potentially pretending, pretending to be penitent. No, and so I that, think what ambiguous. Stephen Moffat... <laughs> is actually doing this year is showing us the story of the Doctor and the Master being penitent actually becoming friends again so that at the end of the story he can turn it around by having the second Master come in and have it be a tragedy for the both of them. And that's a possibility. But at the at the moment, I think it's playing with the ambiguity. It's playing with the fact okay. That all right, it's, it's a possibility. F- but that's what we're actually seeing on screen. And Everything else is a reading po- of that's it. That's possibly what we're seeing on yeah, screen. No, it's not. That's, that's what not. we're being shown. We're being shown. We're being shown. <laughs> Missy, Missy, no, Matt, Missy crying. Matt, and but, in the red but corner. We, but we know what Missy's like. From yes. Class. So that's our reading. That's not what's being shown. No, we're being shown a character that we know. Doing doing something potentially devious or potentially honest, we don't know. That's that's what we're seeing on screen. And what I'm hoping to see is the Doctor and Missy dancing to some music in the, uh, the second from last episode, and she's turning into this wonderful woman that actually start to fancy now. And they're like gonna, a, it, an Australian movie. Yeah, and it's going to be like moonlighting. Is they're going to okay. be coming together, and then they swing round, and she'll do a waltz, and then there's John Sim in the door going, "What the hell are you doing?" Okay. If that doesn't happen, I'd like, I'd, like see, I'd, I'd like to see a face-off between John Sim and Missy, like we've said about, about whether one creates the other one's regeneration. Yeah. They yeah. both shoot each other at the same time, so they create two regenerations at the same time. Oh, Simon, you're good. Well, <laughs> that's, that's, well that's, Missy's that. regeneration <laughs> could be, uh, you know... That's... That's... That's greedy. Fairly widespread speculation about what will happen at the end of the series. Well, both of them? Yeah. They'll shoot each other? Well, not shoot each other, but do some... It's fairly widespread speculation that Missy will cause Sims regeneration. Yeah, I'm saying about two at the same time. Yeah, and we've had all this stuff about Michelle Gomez saying, I'm leaving at the end of the series, and then a week later, I shouldn't have said that. Right, oh, okay. Oh, no. I mean... 
But having said that, if that was the case, then she would have knowledge. The later Missy would have knowledge that. The but other that one... that might make more sense then if John Sim turns up, sees her being given then to be stupid so be a... kills her while she's in a good mood yeah turns it's... an evil one then buggers off back and it's says a... well you know obviously this is where I regenerate mm. it's going to happen at some point but I'll just go back it's and... effectively a reverse of the Valiard situation so you've got the Valiard versus Colin Baker's doctor as the evil the evil doctor versus the good doctor and this mm. way you've sort of flipped it mm. and if the Valiard is trying to force force the sixth doctor into changing into the the, the evil doctor by the end of it because mm. that's the sort of the not what we saw in Ultimate Foe but what what we saw in other texts with the man mm-hmm. appeared mm. basically because they stuck in the what a stupid idea the evil doctor that turns up between the 12th and 13th bodies and we'll have him in a story with the 6th yeah well yeah I mean yeah nice idea but in a story with the 6th all your story possibilities dribbled out through the grating in the floor, don't they? We didn't yeah. see we didn't see his um his body kind of fly out of David Tennant as he turned into Matt though, did we? Why's that, Matt? Well it was never said that that's how he came about. He said he just turned up. They didn't say he sort of went wandering off in the form of a snake like the master in the T V movie or something. <laughs> it was always left very ambiguous about how he actually came into yeah, being. Yeah. And if you look at something like, and although this was shown at the end to be a story about the seed pods in Amy's Choice, about how the Dream Lord came about, you know, the Dream Lord didn't sort of materialise out of the Doctor's body or anything like that. So you've got to say if the Veil Yard comes around as a sort of progeny of the 12th and 13th Doctor regeneration, that doesn't need to have... The Watcher in Legopolis... You don't get a scene at the start where the Watcher comes out of the Doctor's body. I think you do at the end, don't you? Because it's, that's going into the regeneration. Out. Yeah, it's all very weird. And Time Warrior, Cho Ji and Kan Po. There's all sorts of precedents Planet for... Planet of Spiders. Mm-hmm. What did I say? Time Warrior? Oh, Planet of <clears> Spiders. <throat> There's all sorts of precedents for Time Lords to have. Yeah. Well, there's definitely... A, that's the Barry Letts thing, because he would have... Overseen Legopolis at <clears throat> a distance. Yeah, yeah. So it was for him, regeneration was about having a future projection, and then which I really like. I like that idea. And so, although we've gone off actually, the topic, war, actually, the War Doctor kind of the Veil Yard is kind yeah. of a projection, right? Yeah. And when you project something, you know, it's somewhere else, right? Mm. So I never expected to see an actual body. <laughs> What were you going to say? Something? No, I was going to say whether the War Doctor kind of sorts out that that, that idea in some respects that the, the, the Doctor literally regenerates into the Valley Yard between his 12th and 13th in the same way as the Doctor doesn't call oh, himself okay. the Doctor when he's the War Doctor. How do you mean? Well, as in as in he's not he doesn't consider himself to be the Doctor when he's the War Doctor. I'd appreciate his reasons why because he becomes this person I've, who he so doesn't... I've lost track. Well, so the Valley Yard... Valiard's between the twelfth and thirteenth regenerate, or the yeah. The, 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 yes. So where what is between the twelfth? Who's the twelfth now? Tennant and Smith. Tennant and so between Tennant and Smith now because mm-hmm. of Tennant's false regeneration. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a that was a <laughs> this whole idea. Thing. This whole Robert idea of Valiard getting the, the the doctor's remaining regenerations as well is just the War Doctor might not count himself as a number. But he still is. Yeah, yeah, he's still a. Mm. 
So by the time we get to Smith, he's still the 13th. Although I suppose there's an argument to be made that if Tennant regenerated into himself and didn't fully regenerate, that might have used up a regeneration that would have thrown the actual regeneration sequence out of whack, so that that kind of heads off the Valiard turning up at the pass. Although, um, But that's although, getting very up your ass Matt, sci-fi. <laughs> Matt Smith really handily, but slightly clunkily, actually outlined the number of regenerations he'd had yeah, at yeah. the end of Time, Time of, of the, the Doctor. Doctor. And he actually describes the, the tenant regeneration. It's that I've never liked that bit. Yeah, it's sort of that's sort of necessary, but you don't, you don't really need to explain it. Just you know. Well, I suppose yeah, manifestation in the same way as you've got that uh, thing in Time of the Doctor, that thing in the hmm. yeah, the middle of the TARDIS. That hmm. um, was that Sorry? name of the Doctor? I've not, I'm not name. sure what time. That's name of the Doctor. Yeah, you've got that thing where it's the grave. The time no, the, 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 that stream of light that you step into. Oh, the time stream, stream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in theory, you could, you could, the Valiard could have been plucked out of that in some way. Yeah. So how, did, how did we go from the Valiard? God knows. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the other master, I don't know. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. It's that whole... When do we ever talk about the Valiard, eh? <laughs> Never. We didn't, do well, much we didn't fa- even really, we really do much fan talk, do we? Well, the Valiard's just such a wasted concept. Nice performance, then. Yeah, yeah, he's a great actor. Yeah, but it, it was just a wasted storyline because it didn't. It was ir- irrelevant. What a weird thing! A wasted storyline in the trial well, of Time Lord season. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like the, it's like throwing ideas. But the only way you can make the Valeyard storyline work is by putting it actually against the twelfth or the thirteenth Doctor, so or that it has some relevancy to the. Yeah. So there's a way you could be plucked out of a time stream as well. I mean, more sense, wouldn't it? Potentially, guess, the story you'd tell is I, that the Valeyard, who's in the future of the Twelfth Doctor, turns up in the Twelfth Doctor's timeline to somehow see. avert but allow his regeneration, so that the Valeyard becomes the only product of that regeneration mm-hmm. instead of the Thirteenth so, Doctor as well. Not to talk too much about it anymore, but I it's guess right. at least I we're guess, not talking ice warriors. I guess at the time, <laughs> at the time, the idea of something between the Twelfth and Thirteenth regeneration is so, so far, far away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All he's saying is. I'm from your far future. Come back to when you're vulnerable and trying to, you know. But that's kind of what makes it irrelevant. Yeah. And there was also, wasn't it, in one of the books, it was suggesting he came back to the sixth doctor because the sixth doctor seemed most likely to be able to be turned to the dark side um, and become the Valiard ultimately. That's so after the facts, though, isn't it? I think it? that's probably a Gary Russell. It's Gary a record. Russell. Yeah, yeah. Is there a line in Trial where he says, I'm trying to steal your regeneration so that I can carry on instead of you? I think that was Bruce, wasn't it? Bruce Master. Oh, yeah, no, then that happened in Mordred Undead as well. I just wondered if it was in Trial too, because potentially that would be a storyline. But by doing that, you'd kind of wink out of existence because he'd never get to the Twelfth Doctor, would he? So it kind of self-defeating purpose. plan. So I thought it was a simple story, but I I thought it was quite good. Yeah, shall we give it a score? Okay. Go on then, Simon. Oh, my God. Oh, no, okay. Reverse of introductions then, Matt. Oh, Um, I'm going to give it a seven. I'll give it a seven as well. I quite enjoyed it, Mm. even though it was shallow. Go on then, Matt. Uh, Simon. (laughs) It's slightly slightly more entertaining than the Pyramid episode, so I'll go for a six. Yeah, and I'm going to give it a six as well. Hang on. What did you give the Pyramid then? I gave it a five. 
Monster. It really did think okay. it was... And, uh, with the loud... Sorry, listeners, I didn't hear last week's podcast. <laughs> what did you give it, Jan? You never hear last week's podcast. It was a week before last week. Or any podcast. The Pyramid one, it was two weeks ago. Last week's was a podcast. Oh, yeah, last week. Oh, okay. Was it? Yeah. My, my take on Pyramid was that it was lots of lovely elements and had all the makings and, and just was like a pancake. It was kind of what flat. What about the land? Fast improvement. I think I gave that an eight, didn't I? Eight or nine? Mm, I think you gave it a nine. Gave it a nine. So it's far more substantial. Okay. Did you? Okay, we're not. Okay, I'm going to give it. I haven't given it a score yet. I was going to give it. I gave it a six. That's my initial reaction. Lie of the land or pyramid? Lie of the land. Wow. Yeah. Well, very low. But um, it was up to the point where um, Bill, uh, you know, shoots the doctor. Well, that was it was much higher scored at that point. I was thinking this is this is great. This is something really different we're seeing here. Something quite gritty, quite hard, with elements of fun that's just pulling us along, a bit of mystery. And then it was the whole, you know, shoot me, pretend to regenerate, and uh, you know, if I was Bill, I'd have I wouldn't have just had a go at him verbally. I'd have kicked him in the nuts. And knocked him on the floor. What an absolutely terrible, evil, nasty thing to do. I know the whole point of why that scene had to be played out to gain the trust, make sure that she wasn't turned. But shooting the doctor, that's not a great message to give the kids, is it? You know, shooting your hero just to see whether or not he's, you know, whether or not you. It's a stupid test. And the pretend regeneration, she doesn't even know he regenerates. So who's he, who is he impressing in that room? Himself. Nobody he's knows having her. fun. He's doing Bugs Bunny. He's going, I just shot me. Yeah, that's the way I see it. But I also, find it funny. but also, um, that moment foreshadows the way the episode ends on a massive fake out. Mm. So it's not as if it's not there for a sort of metatextual reason as well as a textual reason. It it just felt it it slowed to a point where I couldn't actually be bothered. But I love the idea behind everything. It was like you said. Um, uh, it's the um, SSGB, it's the man in the high castle, all that sort of plainly it is. And I like that about the episode. I like the fact that they did that. But the you know you had the Archangel Network thing thrown in, which we've kind of had already. Um, it was done so much better than that, though. Do you think? Yeah. I don't think so. That second half dragged, and it was exposition. I felt like... Compared to the week before? No, seriously? no, no. I seriously thought they, they were reading the story to me. There's, a, you know, this, yeah, I weird. think the reason it's why funny, I enjoyed the reason exactly why I enjoyed this week, the reason why I enjoyed this week only a little bit more than last week's, mm. is because they didn't actually say that much, and they just did a lot. There was a bit more action. There was mm. a bit more kind of what's going on here. There was more looks between characters. Yeah, there was, was less there not, dialogue that was realistic. But there was a voiceover last week. It went is on. that possibly you? I'm, no, the voiceover wasn't too bad. You don't mind bad. voiceovers because no, you don't like. Ti- you well, don't the like voiceover was a appearing. fundamental part of the plot last week. Yeah, you had to have the voiceover no, to foreshadow it was the fact that they are telling you everything that's going on all the way through it, mm. all the way through it, and there was no action. And do you know what? I've, I think I've found something. Maybe other people haven't found. Peter Capaldi just doesn't run. Right? He can't run like the youngsters run. Therefore, the cameras aren't following a lot of action. There isn't any running down corridors, or not much. There isn't a lot of action, of movement, of camera, of running here, running there. So a lot of it's really static. So we get lots of people crashing through rooms of guns. You get people in caves standing still. If you look at everything in this series, 
even oxygen, you know, that no one's running. They're walking like spacewalk. Everything's really slow. And maybe there's something there that's just, you know, it's the fact that the actor himself can't produce massive action scenes, that we can't follow him, that everything's had to slow down a bit. And unless you're a writer who can inject tension into the characters or the writing, the plot, the whatever that's been shown on the screen, and the director can do a really good job of that, then I feel like everything just moves like a snail, a snail's pace. It's not delivered properly and things crash around your ears. Last week's episode was brilliant up to that point. I was disappointed with that stupid trick and I thought that was a bit of a dupe on us as well. And then once we got past that, I wanted to enjoy it again, but I just felt like it was just treading all the water I already know in all the sci-fi books I've already read. But that's just me and it wasn't doing a particularly good job. But Doctor Who is a programme that takes all those sci-fi books you've ever read and repackages it for a Saturday night audience yeah. who never have. Yeah. And it's done True. that ever since Terry Nation did yeah. the time machine in the Daleks in the very second story. Which is probably why I'm scoring a little bit low as well. Not just because of the pace and all the other bits, but <clears> the fact that I probably know, like you do maybe, a lot about what was going on there and where the sources come from. The machine stops about fake news, the internet, um, you know, um, creating brand new stories, all of us reading things, or kids reading stuff online thinking it's true and it just isn't, history rewriting itself, which is what's happening at the moment, and all that kind of stuff, and people being brainwashed into thinking, uh, you know, history has, certain history has been around for a long time, You can, anybody can fake a history now, and a 10-year-old or a bunch of 10-year-olds might read it and go, wow, Abraham Lincoln, he landed on the moon. You could almost tell them that and they'd believe it because this world is full of crap and lies and it's delivered so quickly and succinctly with things like social media, which we all suddenly believe. People's opinions change like that. Jeremy Corbyn turns around, he's got a parrot on his head. So why is it a problem for you that they did a story about that? It's because... And then solved it by using that against itself. No, no, no. I, but, I before, like that element of it. Before we go on, Jeremy Corbyn's got a parrot on his head. Yeah, why not? Well, where are we going with that? Uh, well, you never know now, because I was interrupted. <laughs> OK. Oh, that's fine. So no, I, just, I, I think it was a McCorbyn. I, I, thought, <laughs> I thought that was an idea just on itself. <laughs> I didn't realise that it was more that you were going no, no, to do. No, 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 it's just, it's just like, to do with um, short-term memory loss, as people have as well. Like, very short memories as far as... That's what I mean. That's like my Lee. point. Uh, that's my point. So it is. It is about the, it's like a global phenomenon. Everybody's got a short-term memory at the moment. Did you, didn't you feel the the monks worked far better than the previous week? Um, I liked kind of that elements of them where they were. They had these great shields actually, and some some stuff. But one of them was shot on the floor, and I thought, oh, that's the first dead monk we've seen, isn't it? And things like that. There's little you, things that weren't really picked up for me, which I thought. Actually, I tell you the truth. It's, I think I've been thinking about this, and the monks were more about turning ourselves on ourselves. Yeah. They were devices. That's, they were to, a great idea. Yeah. But it was too slow. Oh, compared to Pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You've just been praising this episode for being more like the classic series and now you're complaining that about the last episode over exactly the same thing. So one thing we didn't talk about position in the last episode. One thing we didn't talk about last episode was the Walkman. They were using old-fashioned cassette Walkmans. Because it was non-digital technology, yeah. so it couldn't carry the monk's message. I don't think we picked up on that, or we didn't mention it anyway. No, it's just obvious. Yeah, but it'd be nice to mention it. Nice. I'm just mentioning it now. I don't know, we never mention absolutely yeah. everything, do we? No. Well, but, saying that, it was 
my first watch, and that was my instant reaction from it. But uh, I go back and watch all three, one after that's another. That's what I need to do: is watch all three. Has I've anybody got... else done that? No, yeah. I'm going to because I want to watch Pyramid again. But I tried. Well, I'm not going to bother. I've got too much to do. Yeah, <laughs> one day I feel at the moment, but uh, yeah. mm. no, I do. I will rewatch them. What do we think? So everybody scored it highly, did they? Apart from me, <laughs> um, I can't remember what I scored it. I probably gave it an eight. I think. I can't, it was either seven or an eight. We all liked it. Yeah, I did. We all I'd said, say our first, or the first thing I said, and everybody sort of nodded their head was, well, that wasn't perfect, but the things it did do, it did so well that it elevated it above the imperfections a bit, sort of. That's kind of where we came in, and that's what we talked about, really. I think that's how we all felt about it, yeah, wasn't it, yeah, basically? Yeah. Mm. Join us, Lee. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm, thinking of, I'm thinking of swapping my scores around, actually. <laughs> Making it seven and six, because actually what we saw here was this kind of theatrical piece in a cave, mm. which is like the, you know, and nothing, and I was aching to go outside or go somewhere else or have a flashback or something. Whereas the previous week, even if it was a bit slow and moments didn't, weren't great, that it had a, a scope to it. It did have a global scope to it, which I quite enjoyed. You've joined us, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> right, Gators, so you've got a six, and last week's it's, gets a seven. There it's we like, go. I'm sticking with that. It's like there, there are monks controlling your mind, Lee. <laughs> that, would be, that would be we three. Yeah, <laughs> with a small typewriter. What did you think what it takes? <laughs> Matt's been here all our lives, surely. Mm. He's the silence, or at least I wish he was. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, what about then, because you missed the week before, Pyramid at the End of the World, didn't you? No. You were here for that? Yeah, I was here for right, that. Right, yeah. right. Because I, I gave that six. <coughs> I forget who's here from one week to the next sometimes. Um, oh, I've got a couple of um, emails. Oh. Shall we do a couple Politics. of quick emails? Um, no, I don't think it is. I... Politics well, is finished now. Well, I didn't know whether we should do half an hour on I'm the gonna, election. I'm going to look at American politics from now on. It's just fun. beginning for some people, yeah, though, isn't it? The, the young turnout was something else. Well, it's a sign, possibly, of a change in direction. And so if there's another election in six months or 12 or 18 or 24 months, if that movement continues to change, then you'd get a huge Labour government like you had with Blair, possibly. <clears throat> but more socialist. Actually, what it mirrors is 19... Is that just right, mate? You might have a... Oh, 1974, <laughs> I was today about how it mirrors what happened with Heath. Ted Heath yeah. and Heath Harry called, Wilson. He scored an early election and then screwed himself, tried a minority government, and then it didn't fail. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Harold Wilson offered up a, an alternative mm. minority government and called yes. it. Yeah. But unfortunately... It looks like Theresa May is willing to get in bed with the DUP. Potentially, though, that's sort of, in the long term, a good thing. Because if she was to turn around immediately and call another election, and the Conservatives were to get somebody in who was a flashy face of attractiveness to the electorate, who didn't have enough opportunity in time to see what an idiot he was, name might be Boris, then the Conservatives... have had enough time to know what kind of idiot he is, though, yeah. surely. <laughs> but, but not as the leader of the party. No. People like Boris Johnson. Yeah. The way you're going to turn the country against him is by having them see him as the leader of the party for a long enough time that they mm. can... 
Yes, I'm sort of torn idea. between my my wish to see the Tories destroy themselves from the inside, and my wish to see the country actually being governed effectively yeah. by someone, just mm. someone mm. actually, because we are being hit by terrorism, and there is this Brexit thing that's about to happen, and yeah. we do need to have somebody in control, and we can't. I don't think we'd survive a sort of a Belgium of having a year without a government, even though they went it, it perfectly happened. It operated perfectly smoothly, but you need to respond to events and, and adapt. But then so, the the slightly longer term, if you do have that year of complete nightmare uncertainty, at the end of it, you get a huge Labour majority and potentially 10 years of Labour. Whereas if you don't have that, that movement that's been going over to Corbyn might get arrested and the yes. Tories might get in again next time. Yeah. So but it's going to be a pretty, major, thinking, a pretty major year to have a year of uncertainty. Well, yeah, because in I ten mean, days' time, the Brexit negotiations are going to start. You don't and get gold if you're not prepared to dig for it. Yeah, I'm, that's what people say about Brexit. Oh. <laughs> well, all I'm saying is, yeah, all I'm saying is, this result could have been this result could have been better, yeah, but then yeah. maybe Labour would have been left with the poison chalice of taking up Brexit I, from yeah, the start yeah. of the negotiations, and it, then when Brexit doesn't go the way everybody wants, the Tories come no, back in. So it's it's six and one and half a dozen of the, the other. The irony I see of it is um, is back when uh, the Libs went into coalition with the Conservatives. I thought the Libs done a deal with the devil, and now the shoes on the other foot. <laughs> you know, you know what? So here's my here's my slightly unpopular view about the Lib Dems in the coalition. If the Lib Dems hadn't gone into coalition yeah. with the Conservatives, I think they should have gone into coalition with Labour. Yeah, but Labour turned them down, obviously. But yeah. the Lib Dems being in coalition with the Conservatives, that stopped Brexit yeah. happening. Yes. Yeah. They they raised tuition fees, but I think that's the sort of thing that you have to do when you're in power because tuition fees, now they're in place, they have to fund universities and universities would collapse. One of my fears of Corbyn getting into power, though there are people working in universities all across the country really wanting Labour to get into power, but not wanting him to get into power because he would have cut tuition fees from September onwards and universities would have just collapsed. It wouldn't have just, happened, though, would it? It would have just been it wouldn't a disaster. Have happened like that. There would have been a more sensible... If Corbyn promised it, I think Corbyn would have delivered. He couldn't. Corbyn, remember, he couldn't, divorced his wife on a, for a policy division, uh, decision. Did he? Yeah, yeah. Because his his wife wanted well, wanted to, wanted to send his kid to public <coughs> school and he didn't, which is you know an admirable position, but that's why his marriage. So he's, a, he's slightly mad. He'll do well in the job. Is that, yeah. why, why is that mad? It's not. It's not I mad. It's but a, to, but to, to, um, it's extreme to leave your wife. I think over, it's a little bit over your ideology. To think that's the only reason. Well, that's what I mean. That's, yeah, I'm not that saying you're being over-simplistic. I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm might, sure they never had any arguments. It might be, yeah, it might yeah, be scurrilous. It's absolutely fine. Until the, well, the reason is presumably a symptom of the problem rather than being the actual problem. Yeah, I think there's a certain element of common sense to the man. I really do. I, I, I really like him and I admire him and I voted Labour because he's sort of turned me over. Mm. But he turned I, you over. But I still, <laughs> I'm still not sure. I'm still not sure I'd want to see him in charge of the country. Well, okay. the thing is, well, the thing is, you get Corbyn in charge of the country. He still has advisors, and mm. civil servants, and policymakers, yeah. and everything else. Yeah, it's not like he just it's it's not 
He's not a president. They've still got Trident. He's a prime which minister. Which he's completely against, but they've still got it. Yeah, that's yeah. what sort of You've turned, for the government. Sort of turned me towards him. Yeah. Because he was he was saying, I'm against Trident, but we will we'll still keep it. Hmm. And that I think that's the sort of that's the sort of flexibility you need to be a prime minister rather than an opposition leader or a backbench MP. And equally, as far as Brexit's concerned, he has never given an answer as to whether he would definitely put it through. Yeah. So I still think there's an element of common sense coming in there if it gets to a stage where it's such a bad situation. I think he wants Brexit to happen. Yeah, so I think possibly. I think he's more pro-Brexit than Theresa May is. Oh, yeah. But he also so wants it's... to get rid of Trident, so it's yeah. a case of yeah, you yeah, make the compromise yeah. if you have to. Yeah. Gerard Gray has been sitting there for five minutes waiting for his email to be read out. Poor <laughs> sod. Sorry, Gerard. <laughs> Hello, JR, Lee, Matt and Simon. I just wanted to say how much I am enjoying your thoughts on the latest Doctor Who series. My favourite episodes so far have been Thin Ice and Knock Knock. I do agree that there is something different about these series. I'm not quite sure what that is. Maybe the feel or the direction of the action. I have loved the series so far. There have been some classic moments and performances. Pearl Mackey and Matt Lucas have been excellent companions for Peter Capaldi. I have a feeling the next four episodes will be some of the best this year. Well, let's hope so anyway. Thanks again to all of you for a great podcast every week. And then he carries on, and this is about the lie of the land. I thought last night's episode was very good. Pearl Mackey was a standout. I think Stephen Moffat has been a great showrunner. I will miss him and Peter Capaldi when they go. Well, we still have a lot of time left with them, so we will enjoy it while it lasts. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Meanwhile, Nick Knoll says, I hope this finds you and your loved ones safe. It seems as though life is changing before our eyes and not for the better. My strong sense is that, and this was between um, the London attacks and the election, My strong sense is that those who mean the citizens of the UK harm are simply messing with the wrong folks. Our prayers continue to be with you. Life continues, as has this season of Doctor Who. I wanted to throw out a few thoughts about the recent diversion into the world of the monks. I thought the pyramid at the end of the world was not a terribly strong episode. I'm not very fond of the Doctor as the President of the Earth concept that reappeared from the end of Series 8. The dialogue in this episode was rather stiff, with some very wooden performances by the folks who played the generals of the US, China and Russia. I'm also still confused about the monks needing the request to take over to come from the pure of heart. Although one can always eventually ask why something is so, if you dig deeply enough in Doctor Who, immediate questions regarding how and why this ended up being the case took away from my enjoyment of the episode. Right, before I get to the last paragraph, it never really was addressed, was it? No. Why the monks needed the request to come from somebody who genuinely meant it. I thought that was just me. (laughs) I missed something last week. But it wasn't, was it? All the things that kind of were left dangling after... Not that things were left dangling, but there were certain threads that could have been picked up after extremists seemed to be picked up in the lie of the land. The whole fake-out business and the way it was solved came sort of fairly naturally out of the development between the two episodes. But the things that the pyramid at the end of the world seemed to be setting up, like the monks needing this request, just seemed to be left untouched. Am I wrong? Am I just imagining that? It's like um, it's like how they changed the the Weeping Angels to to suit the story, but in this case, 
It was the very next there episode. There were three stories in a row that they sort of yeah. adapted them. But that's my impression of the monks, where they were very much a kind of a cipher monster to fit whatever story that they were they were playing in. And but I that's think quite you a can... strong prop, plot point not to address why it is. So what, why it's quite a fairy tale if you think about it, isn't it? Yeah, and only, I get only, that. Only the warrior pure, pure of heart can defeat the dragon. Yeah, but they didn't logic. But there didn't seem to be a reason for it. No. And although I'll go with the, I'll go with the idea if there's some kind of internal logic about it. Oh, unless that was the because she was the linchpin. Maybe that's the logic. Because she turned out to be the linchpin. Maybe that was how it was established because it was all channeling down. Uh, I suppose that fits. Beautiful. Yeah. Maybe they could have made a stronger link up. between the two. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Do you think so, Matt? No, I don't know. <laughs> okay, back to Nick. He says, I liked The Lie of the Land better with the Doctor's bad guy act being a bit reminiscent of Tom Baker in The Invasion of Time. Oh, yeah. Actually, speaking of which, Peter Capaldi, mm. all tonight's episode, was just doing a Tom Baker impression, wasn't yep. it? That was, like, really obvious at some points. Um yes. Nick says, unfortunately, the fireworks of the first half of the episode morphed into the mind battles with the monks. Those on-screen mind battles never seemed to work very well. And the ultimately unsatisfying conclusion that the whole of human history was rescued by Bill's mommy memories. On that, I thought the conclusion was really good. But we said, we thought the way it was shown on screen, which was a bit like Nightmare in Silver, actually, thinking about it, wasn't so good. Um, On the positive side... The revealed rehabilitation of Missy is very intriguing. Could some bizarre plot twist end with Michelle Gomez being the new Doctor for season 11? Only if the two change places in some crazed regeneration mishap and Peter Capaldi returns for episodes in season 11 as the master. (laughs) Stay safe, Nick. (laughs) There you go. This is quite an interesting idea. If if it wasn't going to a new showrunner, is the Doctor disappears for a series and Missy takes over the TARDIS for a series with a companion. Oh, an episode. Does a Mulder. Hey, that could have been the series they put on between now yeah. and Chris Chibnall taking over if they'd thought about it. That's true. <laughs> oh, well. Doctor Light series. Anybody got anything else? Anybody seen Wonder Woman yet? No, I desperately want to. I'm seeing it tomorrow. I haven't seen it yet. I oh, do want God. to. I asked this last week and the answer was no all round. Okay, we'll maybe find out next week. <laughs> okay then, until next week, when we'll be talking about Ronan Monroe coming back to Doctor Who. Uh, I was JR. I was Simon. <laughs> I was Lee. I was Matt. And we'll speak again soon.
That was really good. He turned around and looked at you, and you were looking at me, and it was like a panic. And Jay, I was like, "Hang on, this is this is no, falling I apart." I got the impression he mentioned that you know Ronan Monroe's coming back next week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You just looked confused, but yeah, that's what I thought. It was, that's what was confusion. It was kind of like, oh, okay. Why? Did you watch the next time trailer this time? No, no you didn't. No. Did you shut your eyes? Yeah, but I enjoy it so much more than you. Did man. you put your fingers in your ears as well? Yes. So you didn't hear him either. No. Okay. Yeah. I just played with you. <laughs> there was. I don't think there was anything in that trailer that would really have spoiled next week's episode at all. Frankly, no. It's pretty. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very vague trailer, apart from the first line about, you know, the very basic setup. Mm. I think next week's. I don't know. It's, well, it's hard to say. Ronan Monroe. It looks like. Have you, you ever know, seen? Do you know Ronan Monroe? Yeah, he's a singer out of um, nah, an Irish on. boy band. Oh. Called <laughs> <laughs> an Irish. He's, yeah, an Irish boy band called Less Wife. <laughs> All right. I think. Have you ever seen a film called Loch Ness? Yes, it's the shittiest film. I nearly walked out of it. I think it's lovely. Oh, for. F- <laughs> it's terrible. Really? Is that the one with Ted f***ing dancing in it? No, yes. It I hate that film so much. Why do you hate actually it? actually his middle name. Yes, that's his <laughs> middle name. These, these Americans. It's just the most mediocrity... Medi- oh, did you can't say the word. It's mediocre. Did you call his son Ted f***ing dancing the second? Junior. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just going to be a whole line of Ted f***ing dancings <laughs> going on. Blimey. <laughs> it's terrible. Anyway, what about Captain, Captain Clegg is great. That's really good. It's, Captain Clegg was... It's, I love that. It's game. close That's to being Pink my favourite track, isn't it? What was that? What's the, what's the Pink Floyd track that's got the oh, name Captain. Clegg in it? I don't know. Okay, it's an early one. Clag, <laughs> Captain Clegg. Captain Clegg. We've been drinking milk. I don't know. No, Captain Clegg is brilliant. Yeah, I watched it for the demons. Corporal Clegg. That's a Pink Corporal Floyd track. Clegg. No, no, I was trying to talk about next week's episode. What's, what's, what was the Loch Ness link again? Before I really interrupted you. I was going to say, the Loch Ness film starts out like it's going to be a mystery story about a monster and ends up turning into a quite a sort of lyrical Scottish love story set sort of in the wilds with quite um, quite poetic ideas about the... <laughs> it's such a terrible film you painted you've like got a... to go back and rewatch it it's no, a good film I, I like it I really like it I stood up and then sat down I thought I'm going to leave and I thought no I can't do this I paid money <laughs> I'll have to watch well, you it. went to the sermon to see it yeah really? what were you expecting it's, it's about a child's imagination know, and it's about living on the highlands I thought oh, it was going to be about a lot less monster it's going to be a fantasy film about a lot less monster then it had Ted Dance in it which I didn't know or I don't like anyway it's a story about a kid's imagination. No, but the water horse did it better. Well, maybe it did, but that doesn't mean Loch Ness did it badly. It's not the same story. Yes, it, did. <laughs> it was, it was horrible. No, this <laughs> is a classic case of you going in expecting one thing and not getting that thing, feeling pretty indisposed towards the thing that you did get, isn't it, Lee? <laughs> no! Like, like marriage. I, <laughs> the point else. I was going to make was that the child's imagination, the lyricism, the Scottish Highlands, all these things that came together for Loch Ness look like the sort of things that next week's episode is going to be about, which is what a lot of Ronan Monroe's plays are about. So I, 
I think next week's might be. Well, I'm just gonna. I still, I still don't think we've firmly established whether Lee know who's, knows who Rona Munro is. She wrote Survival, the last story of Sylvester yeah. McCoy. You yeah. do know who yeah, Rona Munro is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's why I, gave, every t- I guess every time I, I ask, think, oh, we're going to get cats back in it. Every time I ask you, you look at me blankly. Oh, no, or it's just, that's my expression. But yeah, <laughs> it's very difficult. Yeah. You're very inscrutable. I'm an actor. You're very inscrutable. Simon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I think next week's has the potential to have a sort of sweet quality to it that you wouldn't normally get in Doctor Who. Which well, is a, she's a sort of like Frank cultural voice yeah. level writer. It looked fairly um, action packed. I know it's a trailer, but. Oh, yeah, I think Doctor the trailer Rance. was probably emphasising that part of it, but I suspect that the episode itself. <laughs> you, get might the, not you get the impression the trailer's like the bait to draw viewers in before they realise what, what they're actually like, watching as a meditative. So like a geographic, historical story set in Scotland. It's the fate no, to draw them in before they realise that they're actually watching In well, the Forest of the Night yeah, Part 2. Yeah. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, uh, like the Wonder Woman trailer I thought was dreadful. Right, okay. I'm hearing nothing but good things, but then... The 4-3 trailer looks fantastic. 4-3? Oh, 4-3. Oh, I thought you were oh, yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, some yeah. weird right, kind of Matrix-style. 4-3 <laughs> looks really good. It's got sort of 1980s Masters of the Universe-style graphics. Oh, great. Oh, God. No, it's really... No, <laughs> no it's it really, great. It works really well. Mm, it's oh. funny. Mm, okay. Fun. Right, on that note, should we actually say goodnight? Goodnight. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't hurt yourself, did you? No. I'm... Um, did you hit your Alpha Centauri? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's Inscrotables. <laughs> it's something going to do a film called The Inscrotables. It'd just be an animated thing with three testicles and a giant <laughs> penis doing a Reservoir Dogs style. Isn't that, isn't that what the podcast is? Why did I call it Three Testicles and a Giant Penis? Oh, oh. Hey, we're back to Ted Danson. <laughs> you obviously know more about Ted Danson than I do. Hello. I mean, it sounds like three men and a little baby. Hello, it? and welcome to Three uh, Scores and a Giant Penis. For the next 30 minutes, we were doing that. Oh, dear. I thought you were saying you'd heard locker room rumours about Ted Danson's manhood. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> His hair did go white quickly, though, didn't it? Yeah. Well, maybe because when it started going to white, he started he dying, it, and then he just suddenly stopped. It's yeah. like the idea that Philip Schofield somehow had a massive scare sometime ago, <laughs> 2002. It just went white overnight. I think I think his hair went white in, in, in the appearance of Holly Willoughby. Mm. I think. What was that? Say it again. What did you just say? <laughs> Well, Matt just made a noise when I mentioned Hollywood. Oh, <laughs> awful. Sorry? She's awful. Is she? Isn't she? I don't know. I see very, very little. I think she's quite, I think she's quite cute. I yeah, yeah, she's harmless. In that case, I've just always seen the wrong bits then. You definitely were. <laughs> I don't know. It's not. I don't watch that channel, that program, that time. It's one of those things where I've only ever seen like 30 seconds or something. I don't watch TV anyway. But she's on that thing with Keith Lemon. Celebrity mm. Juice. Oh, yeah. God. That really does look dreadful. It is. 
Yeah. Yeah, it is. You know the, the three testicles in the penis joke Matt made, which was really funny a minute ago? It's <laughs> for half an hour. <laughs> I'm doing this podcast without you guys next week, and that is a promise. <laughs> Just bring, bring a cape with you to complete the look. <laughs> oh. <coughs> I'm not putting up with this. You guys, you're sacked. <laughs> oh, I've got a caper, huh?